I want to tell you a story about a little boy who was really afraid of the dark. Is there anyone who was very like afraid of the dark when they were younger? Anyone in the house? How, how, how many of you are still afraid of the dark, even though you're older? Okay, lots of honesty in the room. Well, this boy was very scared of the dark, and his mom at nighttime one night asked him to go outside and fetch a broom in the backyard. And this kid was terrified. He's like, Mom, I don't want to go out there. It's dark. I don't want to go in the backyard. And so the mom was like trying to encourage him. And eventually she said to this boy, this is my boy, but you got to realize Jesus is there with you. He's there. He's in the backyard with you. He's waiting for you. And the little boy looks at his mom and says, is Jesus in our backyard? And the mom's like, yeah, well, he's everywhere, right? He's going to be with you. He's, he's even there. And so the little boy has an idea. He, he goes to the back door of his house and he opens it just a little bit and he shouts out hey Jesus can you pass me the broom right <laughs> and I think that illustrates such an important point and it's this that scary things seem a little less scary when we have someone to do it with terrifying things burdensome things things in life that might overwhelm us seem a little bit more bearable when we know someone is with us, when we know we have a companion, when we know we have a partner, when we know we have a support, suddenly we can do even the things that scare us. And it reminds me of the fact that you and I are actually made for relationship. We're made for community. Look at someone and say, you are made for relationship. It's a truth, church, right throughout God's word. It's true that God created you, yes, to be independent in one hand, to make independent decisions and to have your own independent responsibilities. But God has also created us to be interdependent. And it's when you and I become interdependent, that's when we can thrive in life. That's when we can do more than we could ever do on our own. That's when we can accomplish our purpose that God has given us. The more you and I can work together and do life Together, and it's right here in the, in the very opening passages of Genesis. Right in the beginning, when God's creating the world. Do you know that as God creates everything, He says, Oh, it is good. And then He creates, Oh, it is good. And He creates, and it is good. And then there's somewhere in Genesis 2 where God creates something, and He says, For the very first time in all of creation, He says, It's not good. This is not good. And you know what He said is not good? loneliness. He looked at a man's condition. He looked at someone who was isolated and separated and on their own, had no friendship, had no one to do life with. And God looks at this isolated individual and he says, it is not good. You and I are created to be in relationship. And yet, as we do relationship, we start to figure out very quickly that our relationships can get pretty complicated and pretty messy. Relationships can get really difficult really quickly. In fact, we have relationships right all around us. And we know with, when our relationships are healthy, that life is good. And that's backed up by science, by the way. Uh, the science community will tell you the same thing. Here's what we learn. That if you have healthy relationships... You will be healthier in your body, you'll be happier, and you'll live longer. You'll have a stronger immune system, you're less likely to suffer from depression or anxiety or any mental illness. It even lowers your stress. In fact, there was even a study done in Yale University where they looked at 194 people who had had a heart attack, and here's what they found. 
people with a strong support system were three times more likely to still be alive six months later than those without a strong support system. When your relationships are healthy, man, it adds value to your life because you were created for those healthy relationships. But when your relationships are not healthy, how many of you know it can also make you sick? And it burdens you, and it worries you, and it can drive you to anxiety. It can drive you to depression. It can feel like a weight in your life. It can suck all the joy and all the peace out of your life. And so right now, I want you to think about all the places in your life where you have relationship. Because most likely, you don't only have relationship in one little area, unless you're living in a cave somewhere. Most of us have family relationships. That's one category. Think about your brothers and sisters and uncles and spouse and children and parents. All these relationships we could put under the banner of family. Some of you have relationships in friendships, right? Others of you have relationships with your co-workers, the people you partner with. Maybe you're not working, so maybe it's your students or your classmates. We have relationships in all these categories and some of those relationships, as you're thinking about them now, You'll probably say, hey, well, that one's healthy, and that one's healthy, and that one's good, and those are healthy relationships. But what about the toxic ones? What about the broken ones? What about the complicated relationships that you have? In fact, as I go on with this series, those are the relationships I want you to hold right in the front of your mind. All the relationships that as you sit here are not okay. Maybe they're completely broken, Maybe they're just super complicated. All those relationships in your mind. I want you to hold those front and center because I want to see as we wrap up our series called Wiser from the book of Proverbs, I want to see does Proverbs give us any advice whatsoever on how to have healthy relationships? If these healthy relationships can make our lives better, then we want healthier relationships. Does Proverbs give us any advice whatsoever on how to have good, healthy relationships? And what we're going to find is yes, The Bible speaks into this so much. When we look at the theme in Scripture, what we see is that like life is meant to be a team sport, guys. God's not looking for some hero on the field who does all the work. No, He's looking for us as a team to build the body, to build God's kingdom, to do life together, all of us together. And so what other things the Bible says can make all those toxic relationships a little bit healthier? Well, I'm going to go to the first one, and it might surprise you in how simple it is, and it might be very simple, but that doesn't mean a lot of us are doing it. The first is just friendliness. Everyone say friendliness. Look at someone and say, be friendly, man. That doesn't sound very friendly. Right? Be friendly, friendliness. The first way that you and I can sort of make our toxic relationships a little bit healthier is just by a simple concept of be friendly. Sounds simple, doesn't it? This is how it says it, it, says it in Proverbs 18:24. A man who has friends must himself be very grumpy. Oh no. Must himself be aloof. Oh no. A man who has friends must himself be thoughtful and sad and moody. No, no. A man who has friends must himself be what church? Ah, must himself be friendly. If you want friends, be friendly. In other words, instead of being someone who demands attention, give attention. 
Instead of being someone who, de- who demands happiness, give happiness. Instead of being someone who demands joy, give joy. Instead of being someone who demands kindness, give kindness. Instead of being someone who demands, hey, why aren't you smiling all the time? No, you smile. Like you put it, be friendly. Be friendly. You know, every one of us wants friends. And every one of us would probably choose to have friends. But how many of us choose to be a friend? A lot of us, you know, you know what we're doing? We, we're waiting for someone else to make the first move. They're like, oh, I'll be a friend with them when they, when they initiate, when, when, they, when they do it. Right? And so we walk around, oh, nobody likes me and nobody invites me. And, and guys, no judgment. I've been that guy. Right? No judgment. I know what it's like to be like, oh, no one likes me and... No one wants to invite me over and no one wants to do anything. And so I'm waiting for them to make a move. They're waiting for me to make a move. And then we're just going to die waiting. (laughs) Make a move. Swallow your pride. Because actually the only thing that's in the way right now is your pride. It's keeping you from closeness and relationship. And yet if you want to be friends, if you want to have friendship, be friendly. Make the next move. I know there are some of you who you're like, well, I'm not going to put in any more effort because I don't feel like they're putting in enough effort. Right? And I'm not going to initiate anything because I don't feel like they've initiated enough. I know there's some of you because I've done that before. And yet scripture would tell us if you're going to have healthy, godly friendships, what you need to do is seek out those friendships. And it starts by you making the first move Stop waiting for them to make the first move. They're waiting for you to do it. Just do it. Get over yourself, swallow your pride, and do it. For some of you, this is going to be your next move. To after church, go invite someone to have a coffee with you for free. Go take someone out for lunch at the dad fest. Go and invite someone to meet you this week for a coffee. Just make the first move. If you want friendship, make the first move. Be friendly. In fact, I believe some of you, you have friends that you haven't seen for a long time. You've got family members that you haven't hung out with for a long time. And it's actually breaking your heart. You're saddened by it. But you're just unwilling to do anything about it. Well, today I want to encourage you, get friendly, please. Swallow your pride. You initiate. Some of you... You're like, I'm not WhatsApping them again until they WhatsApp me. No, no, no. No, no, no. Be friendly. A man who wants friends must himself be friendly. First ingredient. Second ingredient for us to have healthy, godly relationships is faithfulness. Everyone say faithfulness. You know what faithfulness is? It's doing the right thing, but that's not just doing the right thing once. That's goodness. Faithfulness is doing the right thing again and then again. And again, and again, and again, and then again, and again, in the good times when friendship is good and easy, and continuing to do the good thing, even when things get complicated, even when the relationship gets strained, even when life falls apart, even when there's crisis, even when things don't go according to plan, I'm going to continue putting in the effort. I'm going to continue being faithful For many of us, we back out of relationships the moment they just get a little bit sticky or a little bit tricky or a little bit complicated. But that's not the kind of friendship we see in the Bible. It says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves 
At all times. Everyone say, at all times. At all times. And a brother, it says, is born. In other words, that those friends become family when, when they stick through adversity. A brother is born for a time of adversity. How beautiful when you and I are able to stick together in times of adversity to say, I will love you at all times, not just when your life looks attractive and everything's going well. I'm going to love you through that bankruptcy. I'm going to love you through that criminal charge and that arrest. I'm going to love you through that divorce. I'm going to love you even though you fought with my spouse. I'm going to love you even though I'm just going to love you at all times. I'm not only going to be friends with you when it's easy, but I'm going to stick through it at all times. And I think, wouldn't we all want friends like that? Just real friends who come in the door even though the whole world is walking out the door. And you know, this faithfulness is not just about sticking around. It's also about speaking up and being honest and being truthful and saying what you need to say to people's faces rather than behind their backs. Telling them what you think to their face, not just telling everyone else what you think about them behind the scenes. Proverbs 27 verse 5 and 6 says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful of the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know, uh, Oscar Wilde has a saying. He says, I love it. He says, a true friend will always stab you in the front. Isn't that interesting? A true friend will always stab you in the front. It is an enemy who's going to stab you in the back or a frenemy that's going to end up stabbing you in the back. But a true friend is going to do it to your face. In other words, sometimes they're going to look you in the eyes and say things that are painful to hear. Sometimes they're going to look you in the eyes and say things to you that maybe you don't want to hear, but they're going to be committed. They're faithful to the truth, not just when it's good, but they're faithful to the truth even when it's difficult, even when it's tricky to say, there's a hard truth I need to tell you. There's something that we need to address. I believe some of you have given up on friendships and relationships because they got complicated. And I don't know what happened. Like I said, maybe they got in trouble with the law. Or maybe they're going through a divorce now and you don't know how to treat them and you don't know what to say. Or maybe you had a fight and you don't know how to get over it, but a faithful friend does the right thing again and again and again. And if you and I are going to have long-lasting, godly relationships, we need friendliness and we need faithfulness. Look at someone and say, be faithful. Third quality of a healthy relationship, and it's a big one, forgiveness. Forgiveness. I want to say this so clearly. <laughs> If you are going to have a long-lasting relationship with any human being on earth, you're going to have to get used to the ingredient of forgiveness. There's no getting away with it. There's no getting by it. If you're going to have a long, if you're going to have a long-term meaningful relationship with anyone, with anyone, you're going to have to, have to, have to realize that forgiveness is an essential ingredient in that relationship. There's no way around it. Because that person, no matter who they are, no matter who you have in your life, I've got to tell you that 
If you're not offended with them yet, it just means you haven't hung out with them long enough. Every single person that you are in a long-term relationship with, every single one will at some point misunderstand you, irritate you, frustrate you. Every single one will at some point offend you. And if you're in a friendship right now and you're like, oh, well, you've never offended me, just wait. It's coming. I prophesy it, right? Like, it's coming. I promise you guys, there isn't a single long-term relationship you can have with any human being in the entire world without there being some kind of offense or irritation or frustration. It's coming. It always does. And so if you want a long-term relationship with any human being, you've got to realize forgiveness is going to be part of this deal. There's going to come a time where I must forgive you, where I'm going to have to just get over it and let go of the offense. And if you are unwilling to walk in forgiveness, as Jesus tells us to, then you're not going to have very long-term relationships. All your relationships will be short-term. And the moment it gets, oh, I'm offended, oh, you know, I, I'm a little bit worried in society at the moment because it's this cancel culture that I'm just, it cannot and it must not infiltrate the church. You know, cancel culture, well, don't like what you did. Cut you off, never see you again, never speak to you, block, delete, kill, whatever, like. Right, and like, that's not the words of Jesus. I see some people's Facebook posts. I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to like DM you now because like, you know, if the people are toxic in your life, just cut them out. I'm like, oh, I don't know, because I remember Jesus saying something like some math equation about like 70 times 7 a day. What was that again? Right? Forgive. And then forgive again. And forgive again. If you want a long-term relationship with any human being, forgiveness is part of the deal. You cannot have a long-term relationship without accepting it. You're going to have to forgive it. And I think some of you in this room right now, you're kind of stuck. You've given up on a relationship because you've refused to forgive. And you forgive, by the way, even if they don't say sorry. Even if they've never looked at you in the eyes and said, you know what? You're right and I'm wrong. Even if you never hear those words, Jesus did not instruct you to be right. He instructed you to be loving. And so love, love. Here's how Proverbs says it. Such a beautiful analogy. Proverbs 19, uh, 17 verse 9. It says, whoever would foster love, foster love, it means to, to grow it, to cultivate it. Whoever would foster love, this is what you would have to do to foster love covers over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter, I'm going to dwell in it, I'm going to repeat it, I'm going to talk about it all the time. We separate friendships. Whoever fosters love, you need to cover an offense. And guys, it's a little bit like this wall over here, right? From, from where you are, and if I'm far away from this wall, this wall looks pretty good. It looks pretty perfect. It looks pretty smooth. It looks kind of defect-free. But you know what happens as I start to move closer to this wall? I start to notice, oh, this wall isn't really smooth. It's quite textured. And there's actually like two slightly different shades of paint over here. And there's a chip over here. And some pencil writing on the wall. And a hole that still needs to be filled. And I probably need to put in a maintenance requisition, right? 
But I can't see any of that when I'm far away. And for many of us, we look at people from far away and they're like, wow, they're so glossy and so perfect and so put together and their lives are so nice. And then we start getting close to them. Right? And if we get close to them, we're like, ooh, what's that crack? And no, that's a surprise. And I didn't know this about them and I didn't know that about them. And look at all. We start, when you get close to people, you start to see all this stuff. That's going to be the nature of anyone you're close with. You're never going to get close to someone and see perfection. You're going to see all their faults and their cracks and their flaws. Here's what Proverbs tells us to do. If you want to foster love in this relationship, you need to let your love cover the offense. It's almost like polyphilo. You know polyphilo that covers the cracks in the wall? This is what I do. I say, I love you enough to overlook that. I'm not going to nitpick. I'm not going to pick this out. I'm not going to point out your faults because the reality is no one likes to be around people like that. We don't like to be around. Oh, you did this. Look at that. Why are you doing this? Right? No one likes it. We don't like to hang out. If you're doing that, that's why you have no friends. We don't like it. We want people to love us with our stuff and with our flaws and with our issues because he has the truth. As you're getting close to them, guess what? They're getting close to you. And they're seeing your stuff. And they're seeing your flaws and your issues and you're wanting them to love you as you are. You're wanting them to accept you. You're wanting them to love you anyway in spite of your issues just like Jesus loves us. This word that God uses is unconditional. In other words, my love for you is not based on good performance. It's based on just, I, I love freely. I freely give it. And actually, that's the kind of love that should be in our godly relationships to say, hey, I can see there's some stuff in your life and I'm going to pray with you through that, but it's not going to affect my love and you're not going to nitpick and point out and judge and criticize. No. We've got to forgive. Got to let our love cover the offense. Now, we are talking about little cracks in the wall. Obviously, if you walk close and there's like a hole through the wall and there's a massive crack and the whole thing's about to fall down, well, it would be loving to address that, right? So you don't have to like cover the mess of things. You don't have to like put up with, a, with abuse and, and watch them as they get lost in addiction and you don't say anything or they tell you that they don't believe in God anymore and you just keep quiet. No, no, no. When their life's falling apart, a good friend is going to help them. But what we're talking about is the little things in their life that you don't have to make a big deal. The little offenses and the nicks and the cuts that actually you could probably just get over yourself. And for us to have a long-term healthy relationship with anyone, we've got to learn to let love just cover the offense and I'm just going to going to let it go. I'm just going to forgive. And I believe some of you in your relationships, you've just been unwilling to forgive. You're demanding that apology. You're demanding they see your point of view. You're just unwilling to let it go. And so it's harming those relationships. Those relationships in those sectors have become toxic because of your unwillingness to be like Jesus and forgive. And I hope today you're encouraged to let it go Forgive them because forgiveness is going to be something you're going to have to do with every long-term relationship that you have. Firstly, friendliness. Secondly, faithfulness. Third, forgiveness. Fourth quality of a healthy, godly relationship is faithful advice. I was really trying to get everything to be an F, right? 
faithful advice. But this is really what God had in mind as we do community together, as we hang around each other. The idea is that we start to exchange godly counsel. We start to be able to speak into each other's lives about the things that, hey, I, I, the issues we might have in our marriage or our, our mental health or our finances. The idea is, is this exchanging that we strengthen each other with godly advice. In fact, you have to realize that there are going to be many things in this life you can't get out of alone. There are going to be many things in this life you can't figure out on your own. Many relationship issues that you just can't figure out on your own, and it's okay. It is good. Godly counsel, seeking counsel is a good thing. Seeking advice is a godly thing. It's how God has designed relationships. And I know some of you are like, well, I don't need advice from people. I don't need relationship advice. I don't need to hear from people. I'm just going to hear from God. Well, Proverbs actually has a word for you. It calls you something in Proverbs 12 verse 15. It says, fools think that they need no advice, but the wise listen not just to God, but they listen to other people. The wise Listen, when you are stuck, listen, when you, are, when you are lost in that addiction, listen, when I look back on my life, I'm so grateful for, this, for the areas where I had godly advice. I've shared with you before, there's a journey in my, when I was a student where I was lost in pornography. I'm so grateful for the pastors and friends I had that could give me a way out of that. I'm so grateful for my wife and I, when we've been stuck, that we've been able to find people to go give us good counsel and advice it meant we didn't have to be stuck so long. I think we would have been there much longer if we didn't reach out and try to get counsel. And now I'm glad in my finances to have a mother that I know, hey, she's like the money person. I can go to her and I'm going to get advice. I'm happy for the people that have spoken into our parenting and given us direction and shown us things in Scripture because it's made us better parents. This is the idea of how God has created the body of Christ we're meant to speak into each other's lives to get godly advice. In fact, this is how the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, that iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Anyone ever use one of those knife sharpeners? Well, that's our idea here is that when I'm in your presence, I'm being sharpened just by presence. And when I leave your presence, I'm sharper than when I came in. I'm more effective I'm more able to do what God has called me to do. I'm more equipped for life. I'm sharper. I can do exactly. I can fulfill my purpose just from rubbing against you, from being in your presence, from absorbing your wisdom. Iron sharpening iron. God wants that to happen in the body of Christ where we make each other better and sharper. Whereas we interact with each other, we leave more equipped to do life well. And that brings me to the last point. The last ingredient which might surprise you of godly relationships is this. Fussiness. Everyone say fussiness. Now it's really stretching for the left, right? Fussiness. But, but here's my point. You know, when I think of fussiness, I always think of my mom. Because when I was a kid, I, I was so fussy with food. She'd put food in front of me. And uh, anytime I'd look at food and I didn't like it, I'd start to gag already, like, mm -hmm, right. And my mom said, 
She'd always say the same thing to me. And now, now I find myself saying the exact same thing to my kids. Have you ever been in that position where you find yourself quoting your parents and you're like, oh my word, I'm that person now. Like, that's me now, right? And I just find my, my mom would put food in front of me and I'd start to gag and be like, mom, I don't like it. And she'd be like, how can you know you don't like it? You haven't even tasted it yet, right? And to my parents, by the way, here's a parenting tip. What they would do is uh, they'd say it was supper time and I didn't finish my supper because I didn't want to eat it. Well, if I woke up in the morning, then that unfinished plate of food was now my breakfast. And if I didn't finish it at breakfast time, it became my lunch. Until either I finished it or the food walked itself off the plate. Right? It's a it's great parenting. Some of your children are going to regret that you even came to church today. Just because you learned that. Right? But because of that, I'm not fussy anymore. I pretty much eat anything. I love food. But as a kid, I was very selective about what I wanted to try what I wanted to taste and what I wanted to eat. And actually, I get the sense as I read through Proverbs that God wants us to be very selective about who we have in our life. Who are the closest voices? Now, I want to clarify right from the front. Should we be friends with unsafe people, with the ungodly? Absolutely, you should. Should you hang out with people who are not Christians? Absolutely, you should. Who else will tell them about Jesus? Who else will invite them to church? Who else will show them what God's transforming power looks like? Who else will pray for them when they're sick so that they can be healed? Who else will send them a verse when they're lost and confused so that they can see that God is active and real and living? Yes, absolutely be friends with the unsaved, but they should not be your closest circle. They should not be your prominent voices. They should not be the opinions in your life that matter most. They should not be the people you're hanging around with the most. In fact, what we see in Scripture is you should be fussy about who the loud voices are, who the important voices are. You should be fussy about who is close to you. Look at what it says here in the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 20. That whoever walks with the wise becomes what, church? Become wise. You want to become wise? Hang around with godly people. But the company of fools, and Proverbs in other times, tells us anyone who rejects God is a fool. The company of fools will suffer harm. It will harm you. It will harm your marriage. It might even harm your work ethic. It might harm your thinking. The company of fools do not make, make sure you're not predominantly hanging around with the unsaved and the ungodly because it's going to affect you. It will have an influence on you. And so I want to ask you right now, who are your closest friends? Who do you spend the most time with just socially? Who are those important voices in your life? Are they godly? Because perhaps you need to just make a change in your circle. Maybe you need to lean into Christian community because you're probably not going to find these people randomly in your office or at that bar or on the golf club, you're probably going to find the godly people in the house of God. Might be time to lean. If, if the closest voices in your life are not godly people, you might think about how I need to lean into my Christian community. I need to lean into church. I need to lean into serving. I've just got to find my people, people that can speak godliness into my life. Not only does Proverbs warn us about Spending too much time with the ungodly, although they must still be your friends. Please, can I just say, 
It's terrible when someone becomes a Christian and then they reject all their unsafe friends. It makes people upset with Christianity. Don't do that. Love them. But don't make them your closest friends. The second category of people that Proverbs is telling us to avoid being close to is Proverbs 22, verse 24 to 25. Do not make friends, it couldn't be clearer, with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and yourself get ensnared. Do you know that anger is contagious? If you hang around too long with someone who's easily angered, most likely at some point you're going to become pretty easily angered. You know why? Because it desensitizes you to anger. It makes anger normal. It makes anger seem okay. Right, and so as you hang around with someone who's constantly getting upset, constantly given to rage, constantly losing their temper, if you familiarize yourself with that too much, you're going to start thinking, hey, well, this is how you react, and this is an okay way to behave, and I will stop being given to anger. Anger is contagious. And so if the people around you in your very close group are always angry, you need to find a different group of people to be close to. Beware of those who are easily angered. And then two more things. It tells us in Proverbs 16, a dishonest man will spread strife. If you want strife in your life, well, be close friends with someone who's dishonest, given to fraud, does underhand deals, doesn't live a life of integrity. And a whisperer, which is a gossiper, separates close friends, right? You want a lot of drama? You want your life to look like the bold and the beautiful? Just be friends with a gossiper. And I know what some of you are thinking as I show you that list, and now you know you can't be friends with a gossiper. You're like, well, who's left? Who can I be friends with then? Again, I want to encourage you, jump into Christian community. Hopefully, you're going to find those people over here. Lean into the people of God. Those who walk with the wise will themselves become wise, but those who walk with the foolish will become foolish. And so I want you to think one more time about all those toxic relationships at work, in your family, in your friendships, in the classroom. Can you close your eyes for me? I just want you to examine all the places right now where your relationships are strained and difficult where they're not easy, where they're unhealthy, where there's conflict or cutting off or anger. And I want to ask these questions as I close. Maybe the ingredient missing right now is just friendliness. Maybe you need to reach out, initiate a coffee, initiate a braai, initiate a sports game. Maybe you need to be the one who makes the invite. Perhaps the ingredient missing is faithfulness. You've chickened out just because it's got awkward, or got difficult, or got complicated. And God is asking you today to continue to do the good thing even when it's hard, to be a brother in times of adversity. Perhaps the missing ingredient is forgiveness. Maybe you've been offended and you've just been unwilling to let it go unwilling to move past it. You'd rather lose a relationship and cut them off than move past it. And God is saying today, that's not the Jesus way. Do 
be reminded of how much you've been forgiven and forgive. We now have the ministry of reconciliation. That's, that's our ministry. The, the ministry of restoration. Forgive. Maybe today you're stuck. You're feeling stuck in life, in your career, in your marriage, in your sexuality, and your thinking. You, there's a place you're stuck and you just haven't voiced it. You haven't opened your mouth. You haven't sought out that faithful, godly counsel. And you're realizing today you weren't meant to do that alone. You're meant to reach out, seek that help. And maybe as you look at your relationships, you realize you haven't been fussy enough that the closest voices to you are the ungodly or the angered or the dishonest, that the closest voices maybe are the gossipers and you're realizing you need to make a shift in the voices that are the closest to you. Well, God, I wanna pray for your people. God, I know you are aware of every single relationship, every single one you know. You know the impact of these relationships outside of this room and I wanna pray just health, God health into our relationships because I know, Lord, when these relationships are bad, life can feel bad. When they're not working well, we can feel heavy and it can even affect our health, God. I know that is not your will for us. And so, Lord, I wanna pray that we would come in line with your word, that we would be given to friendliness and faithfulness and forgiveness. God, that we would be given, we would pursue wise counsel. God, that we would take your advice about who should be the closest in our lives and actually surround ourselves with the wise, I pray. Lord, thank you that as we do this, at those places of toxic relationship, I just pray that it become healthy and restored. And God, that ultimately you would be glorified because love would win, forgiveness would win. So I give these to you right now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.